Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. Today, we are talking about Dune, which finally hit theaters. A lot of people watching this, watching the box office. What's it going to do? There's a lot to break down, including talk of a potential Dune sequel. Is the performance that we're seeing here any indication of what the future may hold? We have a lot of ground to cover, but before we start, I did want to take a moment to acknowledge, if you've been watching the news, I'm sure you've heard of this, the tragic accidental death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of The West. Rust. She was accidentally shot when a prop gun, which apparently had live ammunition in it, was discharged during rehearsal on set. The director of the film was also struck. However, he fortunately was not critically injured and was released from the hospital. The tributes to Helena Hutchins have been pouring in uh, in the days since this uh, accident occurred. Uh, People who worked with her saying that she was an incredibly talented cinematographer. Anytime that a life is lost, particularly in a tragic accident such as this, it is incredibly sad. Uh, But also because this was on a film set, it has brought up a lot of questions regarding safety on set, uh, regarding the use of life. Uh, ammunition and firearms on set and these are all questions that need to be answered this is something that has happened before on film sets and high profile cases and the fact that it has happened yet again is something that many including myself find inexcusable I've worked on uh, a few sets uh, during my time in Los Angeles and uh, no sets with actual live firearms but even the sets I've been on that have uh, fake uh, firearms there are safety meetings there are protocols there are checks that are done according to the early reporting on this it seems like many of these safety precautions were not taken and it ended in tragedy there's a fund that has been started for her family you can find that link in the description below Uh, a lot of generosity has already uh, been shown and so much to go over uh, but most importantly to remember the life of Helena Hutchins uh, a very talented person whose life was tragically cut short Let's transition now to the weekend box office. And as expected, Dune was the number one film of the weekend and actually tracked uh, ahead of where people thought. This was one of those cases where the estimates kept on going up as the weekend went on. As a matter of fact, the estimate from yesterday, which was $40 million, was upped by about a million dollars. And the final number came in just over $41 million, $41,011,174 for Dune. So the fear that this would not find an audience seems to have been allayed for now. That's a pretty good number uh, as far as people showing up. That is the biggest opening for a Warner Brothers film uh, in the Warner Brothers HBO Max era, if you want to call it the post-pandemic or pandemic era of Warner Brothers. So that is a strong endorsement as far as audiences going to see this film in a theater. Of course, there was a big push from Denis Villeneuve, from myself, from a lot of people saying that uh, they want people to go see this. Uh, IMAX was a huge share. I think about 50% of the box office share came from IMAX theater. So it does appear that uh, a lot of folks chose to go out and see this in a theater. This is for director Denis Villeneuve, uh, his highest opening yet, uh, higher than Blade Runner 2049 uh, back in 2017, which opened to $32 million, and then higher than Arrival at $24 million, higher than Prisoners at $20.8 million, and then higher than the first week of wide release on Sicario. Sicario had a couple of weeks in limited release before it hit the wide box office, so that, that number, $12.1 million, it's the third week of release for Sicario, but it's first week in wide release around the country. So a career high mark uh, for the director. He has not been shy 
talking about the fact that he wants to make more Dune movies, he wants to make more sequels. So the question now, the question that everyone's been asking is, what does this box office number mean? Do we think that it's enough to get a sequel off the ground? So let's look at some of the numbers. As we mentioned, the box office was 41 million. And I think a big question is, how much money did HBO Max draw out of the box office when we're looking at the movie? The only reliable source we have for any kind of data is Samba TV, which again, is not the total viewership figure. It cannot measure a lot of different devices, but we can sort of get a rough idea of how it compares to other day and date films that have aired on HBO Max. And Dune was not the biggest getter as far as eyeballs uh, for people that chose to watch it uh, for the devices that Samba TV could measure. If you look here, Samba TV reports that Dune drew 1.9 million viewers on its Thursday night preview and opening weekend. That is uh, just between the 1.8 million that Zack Snyder's Justice League drew, but less than the 2.1 million that Space Jam A New Legacy drew. You can see also Wonder Woman 1984, The Suicide Squad, Godzilla vs. Kong, and Mortal Kombat all drawing uh, somewhat higher to significantly higher views at home. Now, when you look at Mortal Kombat and Godzilla vs. Kong, that makes a lot of sense because uh, many theaters still were not open. This was very early in the era of movies coming back out into wide release. The Suicide Squad is an interesting one because it was a very disappointing box office take. So the Suicide Squad seems like a movie that a substantial uh, amount of people decided to watch at home versus going to the uh, movies to see. But Dune being at 1.9 million says to me, uh, if if the movie had had a lower opening, I would have said, well, it seems that maybe not a whole lot of people were interested in Dune. But when you look at that 1.9 million figure, you look at the other films uh, and, and the eyeballs that it drew uh, on Samba TV, I think what this says to me is that a significant amount of people probably or, or, or possibly chose to go to the theater over watching it on HBO Max. Now, how many of these HBO Max viewers would have gone to the theater? We're never going to know that. But th this data, and you know, this is just my take on it and my personal opinion, but when you look at the other films, I think that there were a, a substantial number of people who maybe could have watched at home, but chose not to watch at home. Uh, but that does also lead to a, a bit of a muddled picture because again, if the numbers on Samba TV had been the most of any movie ever uh, on HBO Max day and date, then I think they would have said, well, Dune is a sensation because we have the biggest box office over Opening and the biggest viewership. Here you have the biggest box office opening and a lower viewership. Another factor to look at though is the worldwide box office. Right now Dune has generated about $225 million at the worldwide box office off of a reported budget of about $165 million. So if we were in the normal times, I would say that if you're Warner Brothers, before you start looking at making money in the theatrical window, uh, you would want to look at about $400 million worldwide. That's around the number that you'd want to start looking at. Dune is at 225. I don't know if it's going to get to 400 because uh, it opened here domestically this week. It also, it also opened in China uh, this past weekend. It was not a huge blockbuster there. Uh, they're saying it could do around 40 to $50 million when all is said and done total in China. So you're not going to get that $100, $120 million boost uh, that other movies have gotten. But the X factor being the availability on HBO Max, particularly in the domestic market and where we go from there and the concept that theaters aren't open in all countries right now it still has to roll out in a lot of markets we're going to see that that worldwide number grow up uh, perhaps there's enough markets and it's going to do well enough that it will reach that 400 million dollar figure not even counting what it may have lost to hbo max indications from warner brothers and warner media seem to be that uh, a sequel is a very good possibility and sarnoff the ceo of warner gave an interview last week that seemed very high very very positive on the fact that there was going to be a sequel.
sequel to Dune. But oftentimes when it is a slam dunk, we'll see a studio announce this news uh, the Monday after uh, a movie opens. It'll it'll report the box office figures and say, and we've greenlit a sequel. Uh, when you look at Free Guy, uh, Ryan Reynolds announced the day after it opened, the Saturday after the movie opened domestically, that there was going to be a sequel to Free Guy. But I wouldn't take the announcement or the lack of announcement on a, on a sequel to Dune right now as an indication that it's not going to happen because I think it's a very complicated case. First of all, Legendary uh, funded about 75% of this movie. Warner put in the other 25%. So it's not just a case of one studio or one entity deciding what they're going to do. You have to have that coordination. How much are, are these different entities going to fund, etc.? The other thing with Dune being, does it get a sequel? Does it get two sequels? Are you going to film them back to back? Are you just going to do one big movie? That takes a lot of logistics. It takes a lot of discussion with the creative team. Uh, and I think also a lot of analyzing these box office returns. And I'm sure if you're going to announce a follow-up to Dune that you want to be able to lay out a roadmap. Just say like, oh, we're going to do some more uh, and we'll tell you later what it's going to be. No, you want to come out from a position of strength. So I think that may be a reason why we haven't yet gotten uh, feedback on what these sequel possibilities to Dune uh, could be. Um, they just have to decide, you know, what is the price? What is the budget? How much do we feel comfortable putting up? In my opinion right now, I think it is very likely that we are going to see a follow-up to Dune. I don't know in what form it's going to be, but I think we've seen enough strength here when you look at the fact that we are still in a somewhat depressed box office uh, uh, period, the fact that it is available on HBO Max, any sequel to Dune would not be available day and date on HBO Max, so you could see a potentially much higher box office number, and the fact that you're coming off of a, a well-received generally, um, I think it was a little too heady for many people, but critically definitely well-received, by many audience members well-received, we'll see if it has any of that Academy Awards prestige, but I think the prospects are looking up for a sequel, and I honestly think the one uh, place that you can look at for a comparison on what might happen is one of my favorite films of the 2010s, which is Mad Max Fury Road. If you look at Mad Max Fury Road, that was a movie that was made for around the same amount of money that Dune was. Mad Max had a budget around 150 to 170 million. That's exactly the range that Dune was in. Then you look at how it opened. Mad Max opened to $45 million domestically during the summer season. Dune just opened to $41 million domestically. Mad Max was able to leg it out to $150 million domestic. I don't know if we're going to get there with Dune, just because we have a lot of competition coming up, uh, and also because of the HBO Max factor. But, uh, you know, if the if the reception is the same, we could be looking at some good legs on Dune. Perhaps it gets to $100 million domestically. Uh, and then Mad Max had a worldwide gross of $375 million. Dune is currently at $225. So I don't think that a final somewhere around the area of Mad Max Fury Road is out of the question. And look at what we're getting for Mad Max. We're getting the Furiosa spinoff. We're getting a potential Mad Max sequel because people liked that movie, because people uh, maybe didn't go see it necessarily in the theater, but found it later. I think that Mad Max is a great case study for what we might get with Dune. And I think that if you are Denis Villeneuve, uh, I would imagine that today and this weekend was probably uh, filled with a lot of talks on what the potential for the franchise could be. Uh, I don't know when this announcement could come. Maybe it's going to come this week. Maybe it's going to drop while I'm doing this 
show. I do think we're going to hear about a sequel to Dune sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping in whatever form it takes that they're able to build upon the story that they started but definitely did not finish in this movie because, you know, in my review, you can check out my review if you want, uh, I was a big fan of this film. My biggest qualm was that I didn't feel like it had the narrative closure inside the specific film that it could have had. But if they can build on this story in a satisfactory way, I think we could be seeing something really special. But let's move on to some non-Dune business and look at the rest of the top five. Uh, Halloween Kills in its second week, $14.4 million. That was a 71% drop. That's what we call a horror movie drop. You see that a lot when a horror movie comes out. It has a big pop opening weekend. The word on the street maybe isn't that great, and we see about a 70% drop. That could also have been affected by the availability on Peacock. Perhaps a lot of people that could have gone or would have gone the second weekend decided to stay home this past weekend, uh, but a big drop for Halloween. No Time to Die in third place with $12.2 million. That dropped off another 49%. It's about $50 million away from topping both Quantum of Solace and Casino Royale uh, to avoid being the lowest grossing Daniel Craig Bond movie domestically. We'll see if it can get there. Venom Let There Be Carnage is still in the top five there in fourth place with $9.3 million continuing to hold well. And then in the fifth spot, we have Ron's Gone Wrong, which is a bit of an anomaly at the pandemic box office because family films have generally been the biggest strength here. Uh, not a very impressive debut in fifth place with $7.3 million. This was a legacy film, something that was developed in uh, under Fox that was transferred over to Disney. And, uh, you know, I, I can't really ascribe any motives to anything, but it seems to me like perhaps Disney just kind of said, you know what, let's just get it out uh, and done with. Uh, because uh, I, I didn't see a huge push behind this movie. I saw some advertising, but I feel like this is almost an obligation, a film that was not from the current regime that they just decided to get out there. When we look at, and this is something that I started last weekend, the overall box office weekend total and how it compares to both last year, 2020, and 2019 pre-pandemic, I thought that perhaps we could spike above the 2019 number. We didn't quite make it. Dune did not quite push the box office hard enough. As you can see, this week still tracking a little bit below the box office weekend total uh, for the, I believe, 43rd week of 2019. Although, as you can see, the orange line there, way ahead of the 2020 domestic box office. We will see this upcoming week if uh, Last Night in Soho and the second week of Dune can spike that up. But the big thing that we're going to be looking at is Eternals in two weeks. It's very likely if Eternals opens big, you can see that dip in week 44, uh, even lower than where it is right now. So we will and I will keep track of that as we continue throughout the year. Looking at the top per theater average, we also had something remarkable there. Uh, this is actually a big week for Timothy Chalamet because he had the number one movie at the wide box office and the top per theater average the French Dispatch which he co-stars in from Wes Anderson in only 52 theaters brought in 25,939 theaters this is a movie that is going to slowly roll out over the next few weeks nationwide so he's number one in two different spots and this isn't just the top per theater average for this week this is the top per theater average for 2021 as you can see here the French Dispatch 25,939 is the highest per theater average of the year, followed by Venom Let There Be Carnage, which brought in $21,310 per theater. Black Widow brought in $19,319 per theater. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings brought in $17,532 per theater. And then Vogia from uh, Vietnam brought in $17,500 in 20 theaters for the fifth highest per theater average of 2021. So a big weekend for Tim, Tim Cham, uh, Timmy Chacha. 
Bradshaw, Tim- Timothy Chalamet, number one at the wide box office and at the limited release slash specialty box office, which we're going to look at right now. These are films that are in 1,000 theaters or fewer. The French Dispatch was number one, right around $1.3 million in 52 theaters. So a big opening for Wes Anderson. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to track that and see if it continues to do well as it gets wider and wider in release. Kind of an old school release uh, method there. Uh, Hans Rock, which was the number one movie uh, last week in limited release, uh, pockets another right around $500,000, $490,000 in 75 theaters. A24's Lamb in 435 theaters brings in another $156,000. The documentary Becoming Cousteau about the legendary oceanographer Jacques Cousteau is at number four. And at number five, From France, Titan, which is also streaming for many people right now, uh, it remains on the list for a fourth week, bringing in 41000 at 39 theaters uh, as its run at the limited release box office uh, is approaching an end. Looking outside of the domestic marketplace at the international marketplace, these are all of the markets outside the United States and Canada. Let's see what the top five films were. And number one was Dune, largely driven, as I mentioned, by its debut in China, $47.4 million internationally, followed by Venom, Let There Be Carnage at $38.3 million, No Time to Die at $33 million, The Battle at Late Shangjin, which remains a huge box office draw in China, probably took a lot of business away from Dune this past weekend at $31.9 million, and Halloween Kills hitting some international markets at just over $10 million. So when you take the international numbers, you combine them with the domestic numbers, we get our top five worldwide films, and they're actually the, the exact same movies in the exact same order. Dune is number one with its combined worldwide gross this weekend at $88.4 million, so a nice chunk of change uh, for that film. Venom Let There Be Carnage, $47.6 million. That's largely driven by the international grosses as it continues to roll out around the world. No Time to Die at $45.2 million. James Bond is showing really why they chose to wait to release this film because its real strength is in the global gross. It has a China opening coming up this week. We'll see how it does there. The Battle at Lake Shangjin at $31.9 million. Again, that's the exclusively just the Chinese gross. And Halloween Kills uh, at $24.5 million when you combine its international and worldwide grosses. Looking at 2021 as a whole, domestically, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings remains number one. Black Widow is at number two, but just barely, it will be passed by Venom Let There Be Carnage uh, probably tomorrow at the box office. That goes up one spot to number three. F9 drops one spot to number four. A Quiet Place Part Two stays in number five. Free Guy stays at number six, but less than a million dollars behind Free Guy is no time to die. It will move up to the number six spot next week. Jungle Cruise drops down one spot. Godzilla vs. Kong drops down one spot. And Cruella staying in the top 10 for now with $86.1 million. There's also some movement on the 2021 worldwide box office list. You can see the battle at Lake Shangjin is within striking distance, and it will pass High Mom to become the highest grossing movie of 2021 worldwide. Uh, right now, a, a $900 million gross isn't necessarily out of the question. It stays at number two for one more week. F9 remains at number three. Detective Chinatown 3 remains at number four. No Time to Die crosses the half billion dollar mark. It moves up to number five for 2021 at 525 million. That bumps Godzilla vs. Kong down one spot to number six. Shang-Chi stays at number seven. Black Widow stays at number eight. Venom Let There Be Carnage enters the list at number nine with $352 million. It's looking to surpass Black Widow's worldwide total. Free Guy drops down one spot to number 10 and acquire 
Quiet Place Part 2 drops out of the 2021 Worldwide Top 10. Before we look at what people are watching at home via the various streaming services, I always love to take a look back at a previous box office weekend, and we're going way back this week. We're going all the way back to October 26th through 28th, 1984, and that's when we saw The Terminator opening in theaters everywhere with $4,020,663, beating out, but just barely, by just over $10,000, the all-time classic Terror in the Isles, which was apparently basically a clip show of scary moments from other movies that was hosted by Donald Pleasance and Nancy Allen. It almost went down in history as the movie that beat the Terminator at the box office. However, it didn't quite make it, and uh, Arnold was number one. At number three, also opening that week was the Brian De Palma film Body Double with $2.8 million. At number four, in its sixth week, Sally Field in Places in the Heart. That is a role that would eventually win her an Academy Award. And speaking of hearts, at number five, Thief of Hearts, a movie I've never heard of, in its second week at just over $2 million. Let's move now to what people are watching via the various streaming services, and we will start with Amazon. Free Guy remains the number one movie on Amazon, people renting it there. The rental window for The Protégé is open now. It comes in at number two on the chart. F9 is at number three. Black Widow is at number four. The rental window on Old is open, so it comes in at number five. A Quiet Place Part Two re-enters the chart at number six. Candyman, still a popular film, still on premium video on demand at number seven. Paw Patrol, the movie, enters the chart again at number eight. Cop Shop drops from last week, but still available via PVOD. It's at number nine. And Old Henry, people renting it at number 10. Looking at what people are watching via iTunes, Free Guy is number one on iTunes as well. Old is at number two. The Protégé is at number three. Again, two movies with the rental window opening this past week. Old Henry is at number four. The Addams Family 2 premium video on demand at number five. After We Fell opening for both purchase and premium video on demand. We talked about it last week with the specialty box office. Enters the iTunes chart at number six. The Night House uh, opening a rental window and a purchase window at number seven. F9 is at number eight. Beetlejuice, people getting into the spirit uh, and renting Beetlejuice. It comes in at number nine. And 2018's Halloween stays on the overall iTunes top 10 at number 10. Looking at what people are watching on Netflix, You, the Netflix original series, stays at number one. Squid Game is still popular at number two. The Netflix series Made is at number three. Lock and Key is at number four. That's a new one to the chart. New episodes of that show. Inside Job, the Netflix series, is at number five. Maya and the Three, another Netflix series at number six. So Netflix series actually taking up the top six spots in the U.S. The Netflix original movie Night Teeth is at number seven. I know I've been doing a lot of bits about Coco Melon. I, I I have to beg your forgiveness here. I actually had a screening of the French Dispatch today, uh, right in the middle of the afternoon. So I didn't quite have enough time to map out the Coco Melon bit like I would have wanted to. Uh, but uh, I'll try to make up for it next week. Suffice it to say, it is still in the Netflix top 10. It's 31st consecutive week on the Netflix top 10. That is insane. Riverdale, new episodes available. It enters the chart at number nine. And the series Shameless comes on at number 10. And then when you break it down by just movies that people are watching on Netflix, Night Teeth is number one, Going in Style at number two, the Netflix original Forgotten Battle at number three, My Little Pony, The New Generation remains popular. It's number four on the Netflix movie list. Scary Movie 4 enters the chart at number five. Reprisal is at number six. The Netflix original The Trip is at number seven. The Netflix original In for a Murder is at number eight. Titanic remains in the top 10 at number nine. And re-entering the top 10 and putting its balls all over Netflix's drum set, 
that is Step Brothers. It's back as one of the 10 most watched movies on the service. And that does it for us here on Charts. There is a busy week both at the box office and streaming coming up. Last night in Soho, my most anticipated movie of 2021 is opening. The newest from Edgar Wright. You will definitely be seeing a review of that movie here on Friday. Antlers, which is a movie that has been long delayed by the pandemic, will be opening in many theaters nationwide, so you can also catch that. Army of Thieves, which is a prequel to Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, focusing around the safecracker Dieter, hits Netflix this week. And Paranormal Activity Next of Kin, a new entry in the long-running horror franchise, is streaming exclusively on Paramount+. And that does it for Charts today. Thank you so much to everybody who's watching me here on YouTube and listening on the podcast channel. If you check the description down below, you can see all the links where you can subscribe to the podcast channel to get audio versions of everything I do here on YouTube, as well as audio exclusives like my review for The Last Duel, which you can find right now. Also, if you want to see what else I'm up to, you can check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dan Merle. We're wrapping up October. We've got a watch along for Evil Dead 2, which is actually coming up tonight. So you still have have time. You've got time to to sign up and, and join us for watching Evil Dead 2. Uh, we also have commentaries, schmodown commentaries, watch-alongs uh, every single month. You name it. Dan's Movie Club. We do a lot of great stuff. I'd love to have you join me there. But also, thank you for joining me here. I will see you back later this week. I'll have reviews of The French Dispatch, and I'll also have a review of Last Night in Soho. I'm very excited about that. Thanks so much for watching. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.